at the onset of this series, we talked about the ways that there are multiple Psalms that point forward to Jesus. And so today we're going to start our study of Psalm 22, which is one of those messianic Psalms that reveals years and years and years and years before Jesus was even born, what was going to happen to him at the end of his life, his death and his resurrection. So, so I pray that these um, next couple of days really bless you, that you will learn something, but you will above all things recognize him in these words. My prayer for you is that you would continue to get a craving for knowing the God of the Bible. I pray today blesses you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the She Hears podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are doing a devotional reading of Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is a little bit longer of a psalm, so there's lots of imagery and things for us to understand, but I'm going to start off by just reading through it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. 
From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the lion, from the mouth of the lion. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations." All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. So if you remember back to the beginning of the series when we first started setting out to hear Jesus in the Psalms, if you, if you haven't listened to this already, I, I go into detail in this in the intro to Psalms episode that I did. But Psalm 22 is one of the messianic Psalms, meaning this is one of the Psalms that points forward to Jesus as a prophetic word. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of imagery, a lot of elements that we're going to get to here. But I want you to keep in mind that this is one of those messianic Psalms. This is a psalm that is one of the most quoted in the New Testament, and it's called the Psalm of the Cross because it very vividly, obviously, portrays Christ's suffering on the cross. So there's at least two facts about the psalm that I want you to notice. The first is that it's really a cry of agony and grief from a godly person who's not yet been freed from their suffering or their difficulties of their lives. So all believers, when they suffer, they can get to a place where they at least have felt this kind of emotion. We all have been in a place of suffering to, well, maybe you haven't, you haven't, that's, you're incredibly blessed. But most of us have been to a place of suffering where we can identify with some of the words that we're seeing here. And then the second thing is that the words of this psalm express an experience way beyond the ordinary human experience. That's part of the reason that we know it's a messianic psalm. So this would have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. The psalmist who's writing this is predicting the suffering that Jesus would eventually suffer when he endured on the cross to die for our sins. And it's, remember, this is written a very, 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 very long time before Jesus was even born. It, it points to the resurrection three days later. And it's one of the reasons 
um, that we see some of the things in the New Testament, Jesus was fulfilling the scripture. And so this Psalm 22 points forward. And then what we see in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, it looks backward to this prophetic word about his life. Coming out the gate in verse one, those are very familiar words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So this was the words that Jesus himself said on the cross. And it was a desperate cry as he was hanging there. And you can sense this sense of abandonment that he feels from God. And the kind of abandonment that Jesus experienced in that moment was something unlike anything anybody else had ever known. The son of God, who the creator of the universe, who, who had lived in this perfect unity with God up until this point in, in his entire human experience, he was rejected and really overwhelmed in this moment by this sense of separation of, of his presence from God who is present anywhere, everywhere. And so in those final moments, what we see is because of the sin that Jesus took on the cross for us, that sin separated him from God's presence. And so that protective presence of the father that had been with him his whole life, that was withdrawn from him because of our sin that, that he was taking the punishment for. And so God, it says in second um, Colossians five twenty one, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And because God is holy and perfect, he cannot be in relationship with that sin. And so Jesus himself, who was without sin, he literally took our sin on himself all at once and the full impact of God's judgment and wrath against humanity and uh, the punishment for rebelling against God, the, 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 the punishment that we deserved. Galatians says that Jesus became the curse for us, meaning all of the heaviness and the heartache and the pain of all of the sin for all mankind, for all time, he took on for us. That weighing on his mind and his spirit and his body, that moment is when Jesus had this sense of total isolation from, from God, from his Holy Father. And so what we see is in those moments when Jesus is on the cross, he is saying these exact same words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was claiming this entire Psalm. And, and as he's claiming this entire Psalm, he's claiming it as a description of himself. So I want to start out there because I, I want you to recognize that this is not just human emotion. Yes, Jesus was fully man, but he was also fully God. And the kind of impact that our sin made on him was an overwhelming abandonment that he took on and he went through so we don't have to. So the abandonment that Jesus felt from God in that moment is something that we will never have to. Praise the Lord.
Now, while what he has experienced is far worse than anything than we will ever experience, I think there's a, a certain kind of peace or a certain kind of comfort that comes from knowing that Jesus has experienced some of the very same human emotions that we will go through during our lifetime. So when he's crying out and he says, you know, he's talking about God in verse two, you do not answer. We've all, most of us throughout our lifetime, if you haven't experienced this yet, you will. We've all felt abandoned at times. Or even we've felt separated from God. A, a lot of the times what I hear in, in the feedback from the people that I'm serving with the podcast and the Facebook group is one of the questions I always ask is, what is your biggest struggle in your relationship with God? And a lot of people say, I just feel separated from him. When, when that happens in our lives, we can stand firm in our belief in God and his goodness and we know that he's present, even if he doesn't feel present. And so if, as long as we are a believer, meaning we are somebody that has accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the punishment he took on for us, and we receive his forgiveness, and we then commit our lives to him, we can then rest in this fact that because of what Jesus endured, for us on that cross. God will never abandon those who trust him. He will never abandon his children. I, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. It's a very, very simple thing, but I want you to look down at your hands. This is something that I teach the children. It's very easy to remember. I teach the children that I, I think that God gave us five fingers for a reason. And when we look at our five fingers, I usually attach one word to each of my fingers. God will never leave you. That's a promise we see here in scripture. And it's a very easy way to teach our children that God will never leave you. But there are times in my life where I need to remind myself of that. When I feel abandoned, I know that I'm not. And sometimes what we know about God has to trump what we feel about God. Because we have to stand on the truth of what we know, what scripture says about God. So let's go through some of the ways that we can see Jesus predicted or described through this text even though we're, we're again we're going off the assumption that Jesus is claiming this psalm to be about him we're still going to go and look at the proof of that so verse 7 verse 7 says all who see me mock me they hurl insults shaking their heads so real quick I want to look over at Matthew 27 verse 39 Matthew 2739 states, those who passed by hurled insults at him, Jesus, shaking their heads. Do you notice the similarities there? Verse 7 here says, all who mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. There's a fulfillment of God's word that is so certain that even the gestures of the people that are around Jesus at the time of his death, even those enemies and their gestures were predicted. To me, that's pretty incredible. Like a prophecy even around the, the behavior of those that would be surrounding Jesus when he was on the cross. Like I think if there has been some criticism around 
this idea of Psalm 22 being a messianic psalm, the criticism has said, well, Jesus could have known the psalm and just said what what he wanted to say to make it come true. And while I guess that there is an element that that or a that's a theory that some people could hold to, I would argue that um <laughs> the fact that Jesus when he's on the cross is not responsible for the behavior of the people that were not believers that were mocking him and criticizing him when he was on the cross. So, you know, even if it had been his disciples and the behavior, you know, I guess you could have said that he could have manipulated their behavior or whatever. This this is a predictive element with this psalm that is showing us even for the people that were against him it's showing you how they're going to act and how they're going to behave in those moments it's it's just incredible so verse 28 he trusts in the lord says he trusts in the lord let the lord rescue him let him deliver him since he delights in him so this verse records the exact words that Jesus's enemies would say to him when they witness his execution on the cross so in verse 7 it is a recording of the exact action they will take. And in verse 8, it's a recording of the exact words they will say. Let me show you. Again, we're in Matthew 27, and this is verse 43. Verse 43 says, He trusts in God. Let God rescue him. Now if he wants him, for, for he said, I am the Son of God. Flip back to verse 8. What's verse 8 say? He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. This verse 8 shows us exactly what those enemies were going to say. Again, Jesus was not controlling how these enemies were acting. His enemies, he did not at this point even have access to them. Again, it's another proof outside of what Jesus was saying and doing, another proof of the prophetic nature of this psalm. I want to skip down to verse 11. 11 through 17. It starts, Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. So when it says there's no one to help, these are verses that are describing the feelings of Jesus, the feelings of just utter helplessness, while he's enduring the brutality of the cross and the flogging. And if you don't know with what a flogging is, I'm not going to get super into it. I'm just going to say it was basically a whipping with um, leather cords that would have been embedded into them, pieces of bone and pieces of metal. So um, if you want to, you can just Google a picture of it. But it was it was a long leather cord that had little pieces coming off of it. And in each of those pieces were very sharp pieces of bone, pieces of metal, so that when he was hit with that, it wasn't just like being hit with a belt or something. It was incredibly painful. So there was the flogging and the crucifixion. And um, in Matthew 27, it talks about that. There's lots of other resources that will get into that. But my point with that is when he's saying there's no one to help, he is facing utter helplessness. It's a picture in Psalm 22 of the suffering that Jesus is going to endure in Matthew 27. Now, a couple word images that are in this section, just to point it out. Um, this isn't necessarily 
justification of the prophetic nature. It's just uh, some imagery that I think might be lost on us. Verse 12, it says, Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. The bulls of Bashan. Um, so the ancients would have considered the bull as one of the strongest and really most dangerous of the land animals. And so that is er illustrated very early, as early as 3000 BC from Egypt and uh, lots of different uh, ancient cultures believed that. And so Bashan is a region that's very fertile. It's east of the Jordan River and it's well known for its sheep, its livestock, its cattle, and its prime cattle grazing area. And so you could find very pampered cattle being raised for market as well as lots of ferocious undomesticated cattle that roamed free because of how well established that land was. And so... Um, we see in the legal texts that there's a demonstration that that oxen goring people was a danger and they there could even sometimes be um some of these bulls that would be found wandering the streets and so when it's talking about the bulls of bashan encircling me this is essentially talking about some of the most ferocious strong aggressive land animals. So it's an allegory, um, but maybe you don't know that. Like I live in an area where I, I can name two or three farms within five miles of me that have bulls. Now they're probably not strong and ferocious like what we would have seen in Bashan, Bashan but they're huge and they're intimidating. And the last thing I would want is one of those uh, strong and fierce animals anywhere near me. And so it's a, it's a reference to something that might, we might overlook if we're, you know, not understanding that. In the same vein, uh, verse 13, roaring lions tearing their prey open, their mouths wide against me. So again, lions, um, they're a ferocious land animal. And what you might not understand is that lions were captured and kept in cages so that they could be released for hunting. So in some of the other cultures, uh, you would even see imagery of this, where they would take um, these lions, put them in cages and other wild animals too, and set them up in the city square. And then they would take people that had broken the law and they would put them in the middle of the city square and then release the lions so the lions could publicly devour them. So what's relevant to this passage is in the 7th century, there was a Syrian literature about the lions, and this pit of the lions is really a metaphor for very vicious and antagonistic behavior towards the king. And so we see this in the Babylonian texts. We see this in some of the other ancient Mesopotamian uh, texts, uh, very similar behavior where they used the mouth of the lion as a metaphor for somebody that was oppressing somebody else. And this imagery that we see is something that our original readers would have really understood because it was so ingrained in their culture. So lions no longer inhabit what was the land of ancient Israel anymore. But in ancient times, it was not uncommon to and I've said this before, to have a dangerous threat 
of a lion. Um, we see it throughout the Old Testament. And I actually, in the Sheet Years Bible Study, I go into this in depth if you want to read more about it. Um, but, but lions were something that was a very common threat. It wasn't like, okay, you go to the zoo to see the lion. Lions were a threat in the everyday lives of the people that lived in ancient Israel. So here, what David's doing, and again, this is um, a Psalm of David. Part of what David is doing is he is portraying some of his own afflictions as the psalmist, almost as a way to see some of the emotion that's going on in this part of the psalm as something that he is um, connecting with. So, and, and I think this is something that, 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 like I even mentioned earlier in, in today's psalm, there are elements of what happened to Jesus that we can identify with. Why we never will understand to the full extent of what he went through he understands to the full extent what we are going through. And, you know, I think I'm going to stop there for today because there's a lot more for us to get into, but um, I don't want to rush through it. I think that it's worth spending a couple of days on some of this content because it has the potential to really transform the way that we look forward to, um, look forward not as in uh, we're happy about it, but look forward as in uh, what we read later. Um, it helps us understand what we're looking forward to and how this is a messianic prophetic word about Jesus and the resurrection and what we see in, in the Gospels. So I think I'm going to stop there. But my point with all of that is to say that there's an element of comfort as human beings that we know that God knows what we have gone through, that Jesus has experienced at a very real physical level the physical pain, the emotional pain, the spiritual pain of going through the human experience. And I think that's helpful. I don't know about you, but for me, when I have been going through very difficult things, and, and I have only shared the tip of the iceberg about my story with you guys um, over the last year or so, um, when I have gone through very real things that it seems like nobody else has gone through. Um, and while I know on, on the surface that that's not true, I, I mean, statistically speaking, there's somebody else that probably has gone through something similar. Nobody that I know and nobody that, uh, even if I did know that they would, they would talk about it. And so when I have been going through some very harsh life circumstances and just thinking to myself, okay, I, nobody understands this. He can interrupt those thoughts and say, I do. I do. And I think that's one of the things that is so appealing about Jesus for me is it is not this sense that I think a lot of people have that, that God is far off and far away and he's in heaven and he's just looking down, waiting to say, gotcha. That's not it at all. After the resurrection, Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be present with us. And, and, and I don't want to get into too much of this today. Um, if you, if you have questions on this, we can get into this a different day, but as the Trinity, we have God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. They are three parts of the same triune being triune, meaning three parts, three parts of the same being. 
And so the, the part that is with us right now in this moment is Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is, the word says, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He is our comforter. And so when we are going through those moments of pain, of brokenness, of feeling like nobody understands us, we have a God that does. And in fact, he, he, he says that. He, he says in his word over and over again, how much he loves us, how much he has died for us. He has taken on that burden for us so that we could be reconciled to him. So that's my prayer for you today. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read actually just the beginning part of Psalm 22. Actually, no, I'll go ahead and read all of it because I think it's helpful uh, to meditate on God's word. But as I do that, I want you to think about this in terms of it being descriptive of what Jesus went through on the cross. And not just because God is the punisher or anything like that, but because it was the way, it was it was the plan, it was the rescue plan that God had to save us from ourselves so that we could be reconciled to him, so that we could have relationship with him, so we could spend eternal life in heaven with him. And and he knew that we needed a rescue plan. And so this psalm, so many years before Jesus was even born, points forward to what God was going to do to reconcile us to him. Let's read Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so, so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me for trouble is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of the Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have been pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O oh Lord, be not far off. O oh, my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword my precious life from the power of the dogs rescue me from the mouth of the lion save me from the horns of the wild oxen i will declare your name to my brothers in the congregation i will praise you you who fear the lord praise him all you descendants of jacob honor him revere him all you descendants of israel for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one he has not hidden his face from him but he has listened to his cry for help from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. 
All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. God, we thank you that you have done it. We thank you that the pages of the scriptures are filled with the story of you and your rescue plan for us. And God, I pray that in those moments where we are overwhelmed with the circumstances of our lives, that we can understand that you will never leave us, that we are not alone in that, that you understand, God, that, that we when we feel like we're facing something that nobody else has ever faced or, or circumstances that at least we've never faced, that we don't have to do that alone, that you have sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and our peace and our strength, and to redeem the things that were lost to the enemy. God, I pray for my friend right now, even in this moment, God, would you continue to reveal yourself to them? That Would you continue to show how the Psalms predict Jesus and even the behavior and the words of the enemies? God, we just marvel at the way that you had this plan in place and you revealed yourself through it, God, that that even so much so that the prediction or the prophetic word of how the enemies would have spoken and acted and hung their heads, God, thank you for revealing this to us. Thank you for these um these these ways that you show us the reliability of you and your word. God, I pray that you would give us a hunger, a hunger to know your word, but more than than knowing your word, that we would know you. God, help us as we learn about your character and your nature, that you would help us to know you, God, because our goal is to know you and then to make you known to those around us. So God, I ask for my friend this week that you would continue to make yourself known to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.